You are in a unique group. You are the ones who it is possible for you to go to church every Sunday in 2016. And those who are not here today, they've already blown it. They can't do it. If they miss today, there's no way they can be 100% this year. But you can. So you've started the year off being in the Lord's house and being in church on the first Sunday. So you could possibly be in church every Sunday in 2016. That would be a good goal, wouldn't it? Now, I know we may not, you know, there's nothing uh, necessarily spiritual about that or anything like that. If you miss a Sunday, that's all right. But it's just kind of fun. When I was a kid, you know, we used to get out. They used to give awards. Do you, you ever get an award for being in Sunday school every Sunday for a year? I'm not sure I ever got one, but uh, I remember they used to give those out back when I was a kid. But anyway, that's a possibility. So this being the first Sunday of the year, I thought I would just bring a little thought to you about setting some goals. I'm not much on resolutions, by the way. Uh, resolutions, I don't really make resolutions. I don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily. It's just that I usually break mine by the middle of the month if I make a bunch of resolutions. But I do believe in setting some goals. I do believe in having some thoughts in mind. And so I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that seems to fit for me for the first Sunday in the new year. It's in the book of Philippians. It's in the third chapter. And the Apostle Paul says in verse 13 and 14, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. That is, I haven't, I haven't reached everything that I wanted to reach yet. I believe, could you say that? Could you say no matter how old you are, I'm 72, I think I can say, you know, Lord, I've been walking with you. I've known you now for 55 years, 56 years, and I haven't yet quite got to where I really want to be. So I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, the high call, the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. So that's, uh, I think, a good couple of verses for the first Sunday in a brand new year. For one thing, he says, I recognize that I still have some way to go. I'm not arrogant. I'm not prideful. I'm not boasting. In fact, much of this chapter, he talks about things he used to boast about. But he said, I, I, don't, I don't boast about that anymore. He said in Galatians chapter 6, the only thing I boast of now is in the cross of Jesus. I'll make my boast, my glory, only in the cross. So he said, uh, I recognize that I still have 
more of the race to run. I haven't achieved yet all that I want to achieve in life. But he said, here's what I do. This one thing I do. He said, I, I am trying to sharpen my focus so that I'm not distracted by a bunch of other goals. I've narrowed my goal down to where I can say this one thing I do. And I would just challenge you today to, to narrow your focus. Man, there is so much to get distracted about, more in our day than there was even in Paul's day. There is so much calling for our time, our attention, our effort, our, our, our thoughts. And I mean television and, and uh, the computer and jobs and all kinds of stuff. And it's harder for us today to get focused. And I personally, I have to start every day refocusing. I get up in the morning, that's the first thing that I try to do in the morning is to get my day focused in a devotional thought, trying to send out some kind of encouragement to people, but it's mostly to myself, and I'm trying to get focused. When uh, This won't make any sense to the kids, but uh, when I was Austin's age, I had to pick cotton. And in the fall, we would uh, the crops would all come in. We raised cotton, and we didn't have cotton pickers back then. I mean, we was the cotton pickers. And uh, so we'd get up in the morning, and we'd have to go out in uh, September and October, and we'd pick cotton. And uh, we'd strap a sack around our shoulder, and my dad always tried to make me think I was graduating to a higher because I got a longer sack. <laughs> that was a good thought on his part. Well, son, you're going to get a nine-foot sack this season. And I remember when I got the 12-foot sack. That was what the, the really big cotton pickers were able to fill. And then we'd have to pick cotton just pick those cotton ball bowls out of those old hard burrs and stick them in your finger. Oh, I hated cotton. And I told my daddy one day, I said, Daddy, the reason I can't pick as much cotton as these other folks is because I keep seeing these bigger bowls of cotton over on other rows. And I'm having to pick just on this one row. And I said, if you'd let me just go pick just the big bowls of cotton, wherever I can find them, I think I could pick a lot more cotton. So he said, well, son, I'm going to let you do that today. I'm just going to let you just pick anywhere you want to pick. And so I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to pick 300 pounds of cotton today. And so I started, and I looked, and over here I saw a great big bowl of cotton. And I run over, and I pulled that one out. And when I got that one, I looked, and I saw another one over here that looked big and fluffy. And I went and got it, and, and, I, and I was running all over the place trying to get big bowls of cotton. 
I got about 20 pounds of cotton. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I almost got a spanking, I think, because I didn't pick much cotton that day. And my daddy said, son, the way you fill your sack is you get on one row and you pick every bowl of cotton on that row and you just stay focused on that one row. You don't worry about the big bowls over here or the big bowls over there. You just pick your row. And, you know, I learned, I never was a great cotton picker, but I, I learned that that's true in life as well. That as long as I'll get focused on just one row and stick to it, stay with it, and focus on it, I can accomplish much, much more than if I'm than I can if I'm run into twenty different places trying to accomplish a whole bunch of different things. So I say to you as the start of this year, the Follow the Apostle Paul's advice. Say this one thing I do. I'm going to get focused on loving the Lord, trusting the Lord, serving the Lord, but most of all, believing the Lord. I think it was on New Year's Day that I wrote a devotional and sent it out. Some of you get my devotional. And I said then that my goal for this year is to grow in faith. I want to believe what God says about himself. I want to le read all that God says about himself, and I want to believe it. I want to believe that he's good, that he's great, that he's merciful, that he's kind. I don't want to think like the world tries to make us think, that he's mad at us or that he's... Uh, bargaining with us or something like that. I don't want to believe that kind of stuff. That's what the world believes about God. I want to believe that God is for me, that he loves me, that he wants the best for me, and that no matter what happens, I can always run to him and I never have to run from him. I want to believe what God says about himself. And then I want to believe what God says about me. Now, I know what I say about me, and that's not very good sometimes. I know what the world says about me. I know what some other people say about me, and some of them really aren't good. But I want to believe what God says about me, that I am accepted in Christ, that my sins are forgiven, that I am seated with him right now in heavenly places. And that he looks at me and says, you are my beloved child. And see, the world won't ever tell you that. The world tells you that if you'll just try harder, if you'll just achieve more, you'll be accepted. But God says, no, you are accepted in the beloved. And so that's what I want to grow. I want to grow in faith in what he says about himself, what he says about me, and what he says about other people. That other people need to be loved. They don't need to be judged. They don't need to be scolded. They don't need to be condemned. They don't need to be rejected. They need the same thing that God has given me, 
mercy, grace, forgiveness, and love. So I want to believe what God says. That I want to grow in my faith. And I say this one thing I do. I want to be focused on that. And then the second thing he says, I need to forget some things. I need to forget those things that are passionate. Now, that doesn't mean, I mean, it's getting a lot easier for me to forget now. As I get older, I can forget without even trying. But he says, I will have to consciously lay aside last year. I cannot live 2016 thinking about, primarily thinking about 2015. In other words, I have to intentionally realize that the past is past. Now, he doesn't, it's not saying that you can't celebrate, remember some things, but you can't live your life focused on the past. And that's what he's actually saying is I press forward, I look forward to what's ahead. But he said, I have to forget those things that are past. Now, what do we need to forget about the past? Well, I think one thing we need to forget are failures. Did you mess up any in 2015? There's some things that you look back on and say rats about. Man, wish I hadn't have done that. Well, we have to forget those things. Why do we forget them? Because the Bible says God doesn't remember them against us. So if God lays them aside, if God says those were covered by the blood of Jesus, though I've forgotten those things, then I ought to forget them too. So I need to forget my past failures. But I also need to forget my past successes. Both of them. Uh, or however many there might have been, you know. <laughs> You look back over 2015, you say, well, that was good. I did a good job there. I achieved that. I, I, I managed to actually do something right. Well, that's good. But he says, you can't live on your past victories either. So you don't worry about your past defeats. You don't worry about your past victories. You don't celebrate last year's victories in this year's struggles. When I was in college, I had the best cross-country coach. In fact, he was voted coach of the year. He was the best coach. And so many things he taught me about my Christian life. But one of them was this. At every race, he'd get us all together, and he'd give us a talk, just Practically the same every time, but a lot of it will sometimes be a little different. But one of the things he always said is, now guys, don't think about last week's race. I don't care whether you lost last week or whether you won last week. That's not going to help you in this race. Today, you run a brand new race. And I can remember a couple of races. I remember one race that I ran. I never did win uh, a race. I, never, I wasn't our top runner. But I can remember one race that I ran when I passed our first place runner. 
And I was actually ahead of our first place runner. And I was so shocked. In fact, I thought he must be sick. But the fact was, I was actually running the best race I ever ran in my life. Now, I didn't beat everybody, but I did beat our first place runner. And when we finished, the coach said to me, he said, you never thought that you'd beat him, did you? And I said, no, sir, I didn't. And he said, well, that just shows you that you cannot count on this race based on what you've done in the past. And then I think he did tell me that our first place runner was sick. But uh, <clears throat> uh, but I, I thought, you know, that's a good lesson for me in life, is that when I get up every day, I have to say this is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the only day that I can live today. And whatever happened last week, last year, I can thank God for it. I can learn from it, but I can't relive it. And so he says, I'm going to focus and I'm going to forget. I'm going to focus and I'm going to forget those things that are past. And then I'm going to forge forward. I'm going to move toward the prize. I'm going to run this race. In 2016, this is the year that we have right now. And uh, we were talking... I guess it was yesterday or day before yesterday about all the possibilities for this year. It's just amazing the things that can happen, will happen. When I start a new year off, I know it sounds morbid and everything like that, but sometimes I look out a congregation and I think, you know, there may be somebody here that I will perform a wedding for this year. There may be somebody here that I'll celebrate a birth with this year. There will be a family that we'll celebrate a birth with. And there may be somebody here that I will attend a funeral this year. Now, I know you think, well, thanks a lot, preacher. That's real encouraging. But the fact is, it, it's the truth. I mean, the tornado came through. We had a, we had a missionary family that just come back from Hungary that was at our house the night the tornado came through. We were all in the getting ready to get into the hallway and get a mattress over us and everything like that. And we asked him to pray. So he said, Yes, I'll be glad to pray. And he says, Lord, if this is the night we're gonna die, we just want you to know we're thankful and that we're ready. And I'm thinking, well, that's not exactly the prayer. I was expecting you to pray. You know, I was kind of thinking something along the line of, Lord, protect us and help us out. And uh, but, uh, but I thought, well, he was right. I don't think I hollered amen, but, uh, but I thought, well, that's, he, he was right. And uh, so uh, we don't know what this, what this year will hold for any of us. But no doubt, it'll hold many challenges. It'll hold many blessings. 
and it may hold many struggles and even some pain. But here's the thing. We face this way, not this way. Those things are already past. And so we look ahead and we say, God, during this year, I'm going to keep my focus forward and I'm going to press forward. That word for press means to run with agony. It's the word that, the Greek word agonos, to, to agonize. It means to, to strain every nerve. I'm not only going to focus, I'm going to run with force and strength and energy that you provide and I'm running for the prize. And what is the prize? It is that upward call, that call to be Christ in this world, to be to for Christ to so fill our life that others see Jesus in our life. We were talking in Sunday school this morning. I don't think it, it hit me with a, a, a fresh force. All the teachings of Jesus and all the teachings of the Apostle Paul, all the teachings of the New Testament, they were so radical in the time that they were taught. I mean the Roman world in which Jesus and Paul lived and ministered, they lived by force and by power and by cruelty and all the teachings about that, that came based on the teaching of, of love was that we are kind to those who are cruel to us, that we forgive those who have hurt us, that we are patient with those that are pushing us, that we demonstrate a quality of life and character that is the opposite of the world. The world has a way. It has a way of living. It has a way of evaluating. It has a way of, uh, of achieving and striving. And the Bible says... The people out here in the world, they are going for all of the fame, fortune, power. That's their goal. That's what they want. They want money. They want power. They want position. But he said, I want you to want Christ-likeness in your life. Let that be your goal. And uh, we live in a world that has a value system that is diametrically opposed to the value system that God has for his children. So we live in a world that is constantly saying to us, get even, get rich, get power, Get, 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 get. And Christ's kingdom is saying, give, give, serve, forgive, 
love, be patient, be kind. And so that's the prize. That's the upward call. And so could we say today, I want to focus. And I want to forget. I want to forge ahead and I want to live with the force, the power of that upward call to be like Christ.